Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm a little disturbed, um, but nothing, uh, you know, nothing, nothing to worry about, let's say that. Uh, I'm just uh, contemplating a lot of tough decisions this year in fantasy football. Um, this is an off-season, Josh, where I'm kind of like, this is making things more complicated for me. <laughs> There's a lot more questions I have about certain players and teams where normally I'm very confident. I'm like, well, oh, this team's going to be good offensively. Now I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, who, who's Mahomes going to throw the ball to? Question number one. Well, based off last year, I would say everybody and anyone who has a Chiefs jersey on. <laughs> yeah. Anyone, you, you, you and I could be on his receiving court and we would, oh, we yeah. would have NFL catches by the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. If you live near Kansas City, like just go hang out in like the stadium parking lot, throw a ball around like, oh, hey, that guy can catch. Get, come on out here. Like that's the thing because Tyreek Hill isn't there, and even even before, like even before, like they had Hill and they had Sammy Watkins for like a season or two, where he would catch some balls here and there. Like it just seems like everyone I can name who's a receiver is gone. So other than Travis Kelsey, here's a high-powered offense. Probably still Patrick Mahomes, probably the number one or two quarterback you should be drafting, and yet. I can't really name a receiver that I'm confident to, to draft. And there's been a few, it's like the things going on with Lamar Jackson, which we're going to talk about the stuff, even, even with, you know, nipples moving on. I just don't know what some of these teams are going to look like. And I'm, I'm, it's exciting, but it's making me more and more nervous for the draft. Yeah. He might be one of those, uh, Patrick Mahomes might be one of those situations where like he's great for fantasy and well, obviously Travis Kelsey is, but then nobody else is. Yeah. Like, beyond them. Just, yeah. You just can't <laughs> use the rest of their team, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, that happens sometimes, you know, I mean, cause at the end of the day, like he's an elite athlete, he's, he's going to do well, but even on teams where, you know, like they don't really have a lot going on, like Derek Carr, was pretty serviceable as a no i mean he's nowhere near patrick mahomes level but he no. was pretty serviceable as a mm-hmm. yeah. as a fantasy quarterback none of his receivers other than now this past year Devontae adams were really worth your time though other than make, maybe as a spot start so i think that's probably what we're going to see like unless something changes in the next few months or in the draft that's probably what kansas city is going to be like you know yeah. you just throw a dartboard at the wall uh when your wide receivers are on a bye and pick one of them up and hope that's the guy who catches the ball, I guess. And just pray. <laughs> pray yeah, exactly. Yeah. The right like, one, yeah. Don't watch the game. Just, <laughs> just try to forget about it and hope it works out for you. How many games this year did you half watch because of that? Cause I'm going to tell you right now, there were a couple games where I didn't want to watch because of fear of what I had done in my selections where I'm just like, I'm watching, but I'm I'm watching from like behind my phone because I just don't know if I want to watch the disaster. Does that does that ever happen with you in fantasy? Uh, it usually only happens during like when like a core of my group is on a buy or <laughs> yeah. or there's like an injury last minute and I had to like sub somebody in. Then I'm just like, yep, no, I don't I don't want to watch that. It's just going to be painful because you're always just like 
thinking what it could have been if you had your regular player in there, you know, like the guy who usually gets you 15 points. And now this guy, you're like just praying to God he catches a deep touchdown pass or, or even just a deep pass or anything just to get six or seven points. Right. Like uh, it, it's mm. you're just always thinking like, oh, you know, it could have been so much better, <laughs> especially if you end up losing by only a few points, because then you just know that player would have made the difference. This is a good segue into our fan question this week. More of a fan comment, more so okay. than a question. Uh, it's just it's it's a fun statement. Now, I, this is a uh, this is a username on social, um, but they they signed it Al, so I'm just gonna I'm not gonna say the username just for privacy circumstances. But say this is this is from Al, um, who says in watch in listening to your podcast. Uh, this past week, I sort of get the idea that Josh is the analytical one, whereas Mike is more interested in the, as they call it, eye test. Is that accurate? Oh, so that's I, 100% yeah, accurate. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. I mean, for Absolutely. me, like, yeah, I think there's intangibles in a game, and I do believe in that, and you're the analytical one, but it just makes this podcast easy for me. You got to do all the research. I just come with the feelings. <laughs> just come in, <laughs> spout your feelings, and just exactly. peace out. Yeah, yeah it's a, but but I do I do think that even though I I like analytics to a certain degree, I think there are intangibles that analytics don't take into play that matter and do affect how people perform in fantasy. And I think you're very analytical, and I think that's why it works. Like it's a good balance. Yeah, and, and I think fantasy as a whole, like I don't think you can ever be one or the other because. There, there is the analytics that you do have to pay attention to. Um, but there is also like, this is a, a real life NFL game. You know, it's not just like a, a simulation or something. So things can go wrong. Like, oh, yeah. like, like we see every week in the NFL, something just crazy happens and, you know, a missed tackle or uh, a bad play call or an injury, like anything can happen. So there is that real life element and there is the eye test, you know, because just because somebody looks good, like statistically they should do well. Like every year in the draft, we see like, Oh, this guy should be a top whatever pick and should do well. And every draft, there's always somebody who just busts. Yeah. And you just, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like that's, we've seen it and we've talked about it, but no better example of it was our fantasy football Super Bowl from two years ago where Antonio (laughs) Brown was, was, was a no brainer put in there. Like, yes, he had up and down, but he, him and Brady were rocking. When Antonio Brown was on his game, he was getting 25 points. Yep. When he was off his game, he was getting like six. So not not great, but but you would have played him. Anyone would have played him because oh, yeah. of, of the significance of the game. And that was in our Super Bowl. And he danced off the field and out of our hearts forever. Into and, my heart forever. <laughs> yeah, no, no statistic helped there. The stats no. said stardom, and then reality is like, well, he, he's unstable, just yeah. to say the least. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think Al uh, is correct, though. I, I tend to lean a lot more to the, the analytical side of things, and then the, the eye test second, whereas you are very much the eye test and like what you feel about a team or a player, and then the analytical side second yeah i i agree good assessment thanks for listening al and thank you for joining us on the social media platforms yeah absolutely which we promise we'll get more active on 
<laughs> we're very no busy. We're very busy people. I mean, it's the off season, so we'll post about the podcast, and and obviously, if anything else comes up, we'll we'll try to be like present. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the off season, so we're not doing as much. No, but there is still we're still trying to catch up with the off season news from oh, uh, so much the happening. two weeks that we missed. Um, we, we've we've covered we've caught up on a lot of it, so I think after today we should be all caught up. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to talk to you about with uh, NFL rule changes. Did did you look at the I guess proposed rule changes and uh, what they were I guess debating on if they should like ban or modify the rules to? Uh, no, actually, I didn't dive into the rule changes at all. I I don't usually. I usually just look at like. I guess what's the big ticket thing that they're looking to change? Cause every off season is usually one thing and it's usually cause it happened in the past season and it pissed people off or it, like it really impacted the gameplay in one way or the other. Um, so I think this season's big one was the, um, they're looking at outlawing the rugby scrum QB sneak play that the Eagles did every game. All right. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I'm wondering what's their rationale there. So the, the, the rationale, I guess, against it is that I, I guess it kind of comes down to two things. It's one is that they feel like it's unfair because as a defense, you can't defend against it very well. So it's easy mm-hmm. to get the completion. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is purely the aesthetic side of it is just, they don't like the way it looks like it looks like a rugby play. It's not, it shouldn't be in football. Um, so that's obviously the, the weaker of the two arguments. Um, but I was reading into it cause obviously I had Jalen hurts on my team last year. So I, I watched that play plenty of times. And, and from mm-hmm. what I looked at on how you could defend it, I, I think it should stay in the game. And there was an article that I read. I, I don't remember where that kind of went along my same train of thought was because you can you can stack the box and defend against it but then you expose yourself to if anyone ever runs a trick play you have nobody left right so you're yeah. kind of gambling okay are they going to commit to this and we're going to commit every defender to just a big old dog pile and our guys are stronger than your guys and you're not getting the one two three whatever yards you need um or do you want to keep a few guys out just in case because it's very easy to uh, the way that they line up with basically like a triangle in the backfield behind the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be very easy to do a quick handoff to one of them, or they run out and then a quick uh, like screen pass to them. And if you have nobody out there, that's a touchdown. So I think there's still like that gamesmanship to it is you need to, you need to sell out to stop it and just hope that they're not going to pull an end around or a screen pass or something on you. Uh, so I, I think it should stay in and the last, I, I haven't looked at it recently, but the last I heard, I think that it wasn't going to be banned, but that was my, my thoughts on it. I don't know if you have yeah. any. Yeah. I, I never really thought of that play as something to worry about. Like I get, it was hard to defend and I understand that there's, you know, because it's becoming a little bit more common now um defenses haven't had as much practice against it but to me that's just something you got to adjust then like they'll just like you're saying yeah okay commit more people into the box and basically just say yeah we you know we're going to expose ourselves to potentially a trick play but that's like any quarterback sneak 
Like to me, that's a very, of all the things you could change and improve, that's not anywhere on my radar. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's totally fine. Like, I, I don't think you have to worry so much about that kind of stuff. Um, they, they just, they got to get more consistent on, on when to call penalties and when not to like that, that would be my number one thing. Like, are we even going to talk about officiating? <laughs> like there, yeah. you know, I, and I get it. Like there could be a penalty on every single play in football. Like you could, that's, that's always the saying is we, you could call a foul on every single play because that that's just what happens. But the consistency needs to be there. We need to a little bit more consistency on what's a foul, what's not, what's pass interference, what's not, because I don't think people know. Like, I don't think anyone knows what defensive pass interference is. No, and what comes up every season is what is a catch and what is not a catch. Yeah, what's a catch and what's not a catch. Like, the simplest things that we need to fix, I feel, need to be addressed first before something kind of outrageous like this. (laughs) Like, I would be looking at the fundamentals of the game keep getting questioned. So I think you need to start there. Yeah, I did see another one that I don't think it will end up going through, but they were looking at making roughing the passer calls reviewable. Right. Because um, that's become a pretty common thing is like every analyst every week starts talking about like, how are these guys supposed to tackle the quarterback? You know, if everything is getting called as roughing the passer. Um, so I think they're looking at their, I think the Rams proposed uh, having it be reviewable. Hmm. And uh, I think the Lions wanted to make a change so that you could challenge um, personal fouls that are called on the field. So basically, right. like, like how you challenge the ruling on the field, you're challenging a call on the field too. I, yeah. I don't remember if it's for only specific types of calls though or not. Again, I kind of doubt that will go through because the NFL was pretty behind the refs this season, despite how, like what we saw and kind of the public outcry about what appeared to be poor officiating. They kind of stood their ground and said, nope, the uh, the officials are great. They're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> so I don't see that probably having very much luck. Um, and there was another one that was, instead of doing onside kicks, you have to convert a fourth and 20, which I don't really think I like. Um because I think that idea comes from the XFL, if I'm not mistaken. They do something similar like that, mm. um, where it's a fourth and 15. But uh, it just, I, I don't really like it. I, I think the onside kick, like people have spent so many years trying to figure out ways to sneakily do it. And when it works, it really works. And there's always the gamble of really bad field position if you don't get it. But yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's, spo- it's a last debt, like it's a desperation move anyway. Exactly. Yeah. It's not supposed to be like, okay, we have a really good shot at doing this. Right. Cause like, why would you bother doing a kickoff? If you have a couple of plays that, you know, can always convert on a fourth and 20, you know, like you've got a Tyreek Hill who can just beat a receiver down the field. Mm-hmm. Why would you bother doing a kickoff? Right. So I think that's a very slippery slope. If you start allowing stuff like that, whereas, with an onside kick, there's a very low probability that you convert it. So you really need to be strategic about it and time it well, or be in that desperation. Like, nah, well, we don't really have a choice. Let's do it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm personally, I've always been, I'm fine with rules changing and things changing, but I've always been against things that go against the natural flow of a game. 
And to me, the natural flow of football that's always been is you go down the field, you score a touchdown, you kick a conversion, and then it's a kickoff. So anything that interrupts with that starts to become silly to me. Like it becomes like the XFL's old run to get the ball from a kickoff thing or whatever they used to do. Um, yeah. Where it just, to me, it becomes you're doing it for some weird theatricality. You're not worrying so much about the flow of the game. And again, things can evolve and change. But again, I, I don't even like the way overtime is because to me, it's it's not really, it's not really getting to the heart of what football is supposed to be. Um, so I think that to me, that kind of rule just goes against the flow of the game. It would be, you know, we're now going to, we just scored a touchdown. Now we're going to stop the game, reset the ball somewhere and do this weird fourth and 20 to see if we get the ball back. <laughs> yeah. Which is, to me, it just, again, it, to me, it sounds clunky to say. So I'm not, I'm not on board for that type of thing, if, if that makes sense. I like the flow of the game. I think that's the one thing we got to keep with all sports is the flow going. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, in other news, Rashad Penny signed with the Eagles and Boston Scott is returning to the Eagles on a, a one year deal. So I would say they're probably going to be their, the backfield core there unless they yeah. do something in the draft. Um, unfortunately, like we kind of saw with Miles Sanders last year, it's a high powered offense, but the way that they work it is run pass options are a huge part of it, especially around the goal line. So that kind of limits your fantasy upside. So whether or not any of them are going to have a significant fantasy impact this year, probably on the lower probability side, just because of how that offense runs. Yeah. But with all the changes going into their offense because of uh, their their offensive coordinator leaving, um, maybe in the first week or two we'll see something different and you might be able to uh, pick up one of those players for cheap or off the waiver wire. Uh, probably not off the waiver wire, but you might be able to get swing them in a deal if if we see a bit of a change in the Eagles offense. Yeah, I'd imagine both will get drafted. It's just a matter of, you know, are you really going to be rushing to play either of them? It might be a week by week thing. Just like it was this year. Like some some weeks Miles Sanders and and Boston Scott had great weeks, but that offense is going to go through Hurts. So he's yeah. the catalyst there. And Rashad Penny's coming off that injury. He he has struggled with injuries pretty much his whole career. He's he's a great running back when he's healthy. It's just staying healthy. So that's always a bit yeah. of a gamble there. It's a bit of a gamble. Um, Jacoby Myers was signed by the Raiders to a three-year, $33 million deal. So he's left the Patriots to join the Raiders, reunited with uh, Josh McDaniels there. So that's someone else uh, for Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball to. Um. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo used to play for the Patriots. I don't believe Myers was there when Jimmy was there. But I don't think so. But Mc, McDaniel's possible. was McDaniel's was so yes. it's building a nice core of I guess familiarity around them. So trying to do the best that they can to set up uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for success. Whether like at the end of the day, uh, Jacoby Myers is still going to be competing with Devontae Adams and Darren Waller for targets. So odds are for fantasy, he's probably not going to do very much for you. But we'll wait and see how that pecking order sorts itself out. He could be like a good wide receiver two, maybe wide receiver three down the line. Somebody that you spot start kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I mean, the situation he's going into is he is 
definitely not going to be the the top target just because of Devontae Adams' presence. Yeah, it sounds like probably the number three target through the air. Um, the Raiders' offense sounds like it could be good. Like the, it, you know, it could with Garoppolo there. Um, he's proven that he he can run a pretty good offense. So it'll be interesting to see what, how the Raiders are this season with Garoppolo in versus Carr. Um, but yeah, one one of those uh, players that you could see some value in depending upon what happens if the Raiders are lights out offensively you know you got to spread the ball out a little bit yep and uh, could could be great insurance you know if if you have that Devontae Adams pick up Jacoby Myers later in the draft or waiver wire whatever way it shakes out in your league Um, because if Devontae Adams goes down somebody's got to become the target there and he would have just as much chance as anyone else on the team uh, the Dolphins acquired qu- cornerback Jalen Ramsey from the Rams in exchange for a 2023 third-round pick and tight end Hunter Long. So a bit of a boost to what was a pretty bad Miami defense last year. Yeah. Um, and that, that's the interesting thing with fo- uh, fantasy football is you kind of want to have a team. You want players on a team that has a strong offense but a bad defense because that means their offense is going to be on the field more and they have to keep scoring. It's very true. I mean, it's why Miami had at least three, four pretty solid players every week who were getting you a lot of points on offense because they were high-scoring games. Yeah, because they had to be. Yeah, they had to keep the foot down the whole time. That was the See, that's a downside with a team like the Eagles. Um, You might get 25 points or something from Hertz in the first half, but there's a good chance you might get zero points from Hertz in the second half because they don't need to play him anymore because their offense and defense were both so dominant. So yeah. that's that's a risk that you run like with with teams and players like uh, Josh Allen, P- Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. When the defensive side is just as strong and the offense is lights out, well, why are they going to keep risking their star players in the second half when they know they're going to win, right? So you, you, you want to, like, obviously don't not pick them just because of that, but you can find a lot more value in those guys like Tua who will do very well and their offense or their defense sucks, so they're going to be out on the field a lot more. Yeah. Um, that was kind of like the inverse situation that the Raiders had was their defense was very strong, but their offense couldn't do very much. So, if if they had if they had a bit more of an opportunity, or if their defense is a bit weaker, then maybe you could have found some value there outside of Devontae Adams. But that's just not how it shook out. So you kind of want to stay away from those teams that are strong on the defensive side of the ball and weak on the offense because they're never going to, they're not going to get you that many points. Whereas uh, the teams who are weak on defense, they're giving up points. So their offense has to just keep going and going and going. Yeah. It's, it's that middle ground team, the teams that are bubble teams fighting for playoff spots that are kind of in it. You know, even do we think about like Minnesota Vikings and those types of teams, they have so many great um, fantasy options on because they're scoring points left, right, and center, and they're in close matchups. It's almost if you, if your team, if you're, you've got a team that's going 16 or 17 and 0, it's like, well, they they might be good every once in a while. You might have one or two players. There might be a Chiefs situation where Mahomes is your guy, but outside of the one or two people, there's just not much there for you. And I wonder how, like sticking with the Dolphins, like I just wonder with Tua's health being such a question mark. I'm wondering if the Dolphins 
are hoping that their defense can keep the games a little bit more in hand. Because if Tua's got health issues that are concerned about it, they might be trying to ask him to do less. Like he, he just, he's all over the place. And he takes so many hits. They, I mean, they got to find a way to protect him, but he's got to go down faster. I just wonder if they're thinking, okay, can we run a little bit of a more conservative offense? Yeah, I think we talked about that. I think it was two weeks ago, but that has to be a focus for them because like he's at the point, if he takes another one or two concussions, like his career might be done, let alone like the long-term effects on his physical health, which I'm sure is at the top priority of him and his family. Uh, and if the offensive line isn't protecting him, the defense can't stay on the field. Like there's no other option other than Tua has to carry this burden on his shoulders. So they should be doing everything that they can for their, what they basically decided is going to be their franchise quarterback to protect his longevity and his health. They need to do everything they can to minimize what he has to do each week, which is have your defense stay on the field, be able to run the ball effectively, give him time to throw the ball from the pocket instead of running around or immediately getting sacked. Uh, So you're right. Maybe they are kind of making some steps there. They didn't really do anything in terms of the backfield, anything different at least. Um, And I don't think I've seen anything that they've really made any efforts for their offensive line. So maybe those are issues that they're looking to address in the draft. And they're going with Jalen Ramsey to try to boost the defense. And maybe there's some more moves to come. I don't know. But I think they need to do a bit more than just add one cornerback to their defense because it was it was bad. It was really yeah. bad last oh, year. Oh, they definitely need to do more. Definitely. Um, another team that has improved their defense, which was already very strong, is the 49ers. Signed uh, defensive tackle Javon Hargrave. So he played for the Eagles this past season. Now he'll be with the 49ers. So they've wasted no time making sure that their defense is as strong as possible. Yeah. And uh, I actually have some other news from the 49ers. The general manager for the 49ers has actually endorsed Brock Purdy to be the starter for next season and said that he, he thinks he's earned, earned the role. Um, now I think it's going to come down to, you know, is he healthy enough to be the starter at the start of the season? Cause he was pretty delayed in getting that surgery. So it seems like, and I, I know George Kittle came out and said that it's absolutely Brock Purdy's job. Like he's earned it, but I think it might just come down to timing and health between him and Lance, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think health is going to play a huge factor here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. They they invested so much in the draft in Trey Lance, but so far they haven't been able to prove anything with him yet. I almost wonder if – I know I, I spoke about it before, if they would have been better just trying to trade him on the the upside of like what he could be and try to recover some of that and then just stick with Brock Purdy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could do that. I mean, right now in the NFL, you really do have to have two quarterbacks you trust. I mean, there seems to be like a resistance to that. But I would think both eye test and statistics would show you that a lot of teams, especially the 49ers, ended up having to use two quarterbacks. So they needed three. Yeah, they needed three. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think for this year, you go with Brock Purdy. If he establishes himself and you get people interested in Lance, trade them for the assets because you're going to need other pieces. But this 49ers team, 
they're they're good enough to be com- a competitive team each year. So you gotta if you have two quarterbacks and someone really wants them, I understand why you'd want to look at trading them at some point during the season or or next season or whenever they they feel they need to. But I don't disagree with at least giving Brock Purdy a chance. He did a great job of getting them as far as he got them. Like that was him coming off as the third string quarterback. And that's, you don't see that all the time where they, they make a big impact like that. No, usually it's a, a bit of a dumpster fire. So yeah, they have, uh, they <laughs> or have it's like passable and you don't know why, like Cooper rush, Cooper rush, the, the man, the myth, the legend of Cooper. Rush. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes you just don't know why it's successful. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Um, the Broncos have signed running back Samaj P. Ryan from the Bengals. So that is interesting because P. Ryan did pretty well this season. So I kind of thought that he would go to um, a team where they might want to use him as their, their number one. But with, um, <clears throat> with Javante Williams uh, more than likely going to be back from his injury in time for the season, as far as I'm aware... Uh, he's obviously going to be their their number one guy. So uh, I just I kind of find it weird that they that I guess that Samaje went there and that he didn't try to go and get himself a starting job somewhere. But at the same time, I guess it's smart on the Broncos side of things to get a reliable backup because they've already lost pretty much a season with Javante due to injury. And if he's not back to full tilt, then they're going to want somebody serviceable to take his place. Yeah, definitely. Um, the uh, Texans traded away wide receiver Brandon Cooks, so we kind of thought that was going to happen lot during the season. Never did, but now they have traded him away to the Cowboys in exchange for a 2023 fifth-round pick and a 2024 sixth-round pick. So an extra weapon to go alongside C.D. Lamb for uh, Dak Prescott. Texans get some more picks to try to improve their team, which needs improvement pretty much everywhere. Good trade for both of them, frankly. I mean, if you're like, why hold on to him? I don't know why they didn't trade him last year when the team was trash. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Are the Texans going to be that much better this year? Like, I don't think so. (laughs) No, they're they're heavy in a rebuild, and Brandon Cooks didn't want to be there. Like, that was pretty clear. He sat out. I don't remember if it was multiple games or just one game, but it was for the best that he just move on and uh, now they finally got it done, but that wasn't all that the Texans did. Cause they also signed running back Devin Singletary for a one year deal, which I find interesting because of how strong Damian Pierce was for them. Mm-hmm. So that is a pretty, that could be a pretty big hit to Damian Pierce's uh, fantasy value. Cause if he's going to be splitting work with Devin Singletary, then yeah, I thought that was a big shock because if they're going to use him in like Singletary is not a terrible running back. Like I, he's not. So if they're going to use the more of a like one, a one B then yeah, like you're going to see those numbers drop yeah, after they're, they're like both going to really, be nobody's fantastic year. Like it's a little yeah. surprising to me. Yeah. They'll both end up being nobodies for fantasy football is yeah. what it will be because they're just faltering each other. Um, and I don't know if, Singletary would have gone there just to be a backup after what he's done in Buffalo, you know? So maybe that is their plan. I don't know. I guess that's one we're going to have to wait and see, especially in the preseason. Because last preseason, they were very, yeah. they were very obvious. Like Damian Pierce is our guy. And you could tell that pretty much from 
week two of the preseason that he was going to be the starter. So yeah. that'll be something to pay attention to. Um, you, you have to think, though, that like like you're saying, I don't think Singletary can be going there being like, yeah, all right, I'll be happy being the backup. Like after all that time in Buffalo, I feel like he's going there saying I'm battling for this position with this yeah. younger kid. So, yeah, I it's it's fascinating to me um, what what's going to happen there. I mean, for the Texans, they're probably just trying to have a serviceable team. I'm just surprised to see they didn't make these types of signings to their receiving core draft a young quarterback and then like try to kind of see where to go from there. But you know, maybe they're just thinking young quarterback, give them a couple weapons in the backfield, start building from there and see what happens. But it's a one year deal. So he's coming here to make some noise so he can get signed somewhere else. Yeah, very possible. Yeah. And and they did the same thing. Uh, the Texans did with tight end Dalton Schultz. Uh, they signed him to a one year deal. Yeah, Schultz, one-year. Schultz that, that seemed very surprising to me. I'm kind of surprised he couldn't go and get himself a, much better deal considering how he played for the Cowboys last year. Yeah. Um, but maybe, yeah, it's just make some noise, try to parlay that into an even better offer uh, the following year. I don't know. And again, he he's probably not going to have amazing numbers for fantasy because we don't really know who the quarterback's going to be, but it's going to be a young quarterback who you just don't know. They could have a great year and they could come in and do very well, but usually it takes a couple of years for a quarterback to really get comfortable. Yeah, I think Dalton Schultz has the natural ability and talent to have a great year, but I just don't think this is going to be a situation where he's going to have a good year. I, I just feel like because the, of that. I feel like the Texans are one of those teams that you know you're going to it, and no matter what, for whatever reason, we just they just can't get out of this funk where we just know like they're they're not going to be good, like definitely not this year, probably not the next year. Like they're in a rebuild, so people signing there, you have to think. If they can't get signed anywhere else, they sign for Houston, but they do one-year deals thinking, if I can have a monster year, I can get a contract somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, they're, they're so heavy in a rebuild, and so both those deals we just talked about are both one-year deals. So like, I don't really know what they're trying to do with that. It's just like plugging holes but not fixing the issue, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Running back Damian Harris signed with the Bills on a one-year deal, so that, I guess, just he's going to take Devin Singletary's place on the roster there. Not that he'll have much to do. I mean, they're not not really into running the ball. No, but was that always just because of the options I had to work with, or was it the offensive philosophy, you know what I mean? I mean, it's a good... I just don't think Devin Singletary's terrible, so I... Again, I I lean towards it's their philosophy. But, I mean, Harris, I won't deny Harris is an upgrade. So maybe they feel like they can do more um, with him. But I don't know if they feel like I don't know if they can do much more unless they change the way they're thinking of things, which they should. you got to have a strong running game. But they they want to be a pass-first offense. So no matter what, you're you're not going to get certainly not going to get the the touches I think he's used to. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that's preventing the Bills from their Super Bowl run is that they have a good defense, they have a great passing game, they don't have the running game to balance it out because teams yeah. know, especially when it gets down to crunch time, they know exactly where what the offense is going to be doing. Either Josh Allen is running the ball, or he's throwing it to more than likely Stefan Diggs maybe Dawson Knox, you know? 
So that makes it a lot harder to make the Super Bowl run when they know, okay, we can pretty much ignore the running game other than have somebody spy Josh Allen in case he takes off. But if you yeah. if you make it like any down, we can do anything, kind of like what the Chiefs had, what the, what the uh, Bengals had, what the Eagles have, then that's what seals you to get to the Super Bowl because no matter what the down and distance is, no matter what the score is, you have everything open to you. If you're starting off and all you have open to you is pass the ball, you're, you're hamstringing your offense at the end of the day. And we've seen the, the Bills, great, great regular season, die off in the playoffs immediately. Yeah. For, what is it, two or three years now? At least three now. I At least three. Like yeah. Three years in a row. And I, in my personal opinion, that's that's the piece that's missing, is that they're relying too much on that passing game. And I understand yeah. why, because Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are both amazing football players. So it makes sense you want to gravitate to it. But the other side of the ball isn't stupid. They know where you're going. They know what to defend against, right? Yeah, no, and I I agree. And that's been last offseason and this offseason, I have been surprised of their lack of moves to address that. Um, with Buffalo, I, I would have thought they would have said, okay, let's look at the big names. Is there anyone we can afford to push us over the edge just to win this Super Bowl? And then we'll deal with things. You see it happen with franchises all the time. Do whatever you need to do to win and then deal with the consequences of the term or the money and what have you later. I They just don't seem willing or able to do it right now. No, and... Yeah, like there is there is the benefits, obviously, to selling out and going for the Super Bowl. And it's great when you win. Uh, but then there, the, the cost and the debt does come down the line eventually. And then you usually see teams in like a dark period for a while because they sold out. And now everything they did to sell out is coming. The, the bills all come and do at once. And now they've got nothing again. So I don't know if it's they're scared of that. Yeah. Um, if they're scared that they don't want to sell out and then ultimately not win, because if you don't win a Super Bowl, then what what was the point of selling out? Um, or if it's just they're they're trying to avoid that down period and try to build like a dynasty, but they're like kind of like what the Patriots had for like the mid to mid two thousands, twenty tens. 2010s i don't know how to say <laughs> that that period of time like with tom brady and like when we randy moss yet, was there all that we've yet to come up with an agreeable term for those decades okay good like Just i, I kind of felt a little stupid trying to say no it, but no like, we, I, I don't know what the proper way is I, so. there isn't what we haven't agreed <laughs> perfect okay <laughs> we, we have no idea <laughs> perfect so it's not just me awesome um but we we haven't seen them make those moves that sets them up for that. You know what I mean? So it, it seems like that seems to be what they want to do, but they're just not, they're not executing it properly. And it, it's frustrating for the players. I know Stefan Diggs, um, I don't remember if he was on a podcast or if he was talking to reporters or what the context of it was, but he, he was basically saying like, it doesn't make any sense that we're ending our seasons the way that we are. Like well, with the talent true. we have. A great talent on offense, solid defense. And normally that like if you have a if you have a high powered offense, especially with a, an elite quarterback and a solid defense, you should be winning Super Bowls or you should be in Super Bowls and you should be there. So I, I can see what he's saying. 
the running game is the the first thing to look at without a doubt like that running game is just not not there um, no I, I also think they haven't done a great job of finding other pieces in the receiving core and and utilizing uh tight ends and like doing everything you like he wants to throw the digs obviously and Allen uses his legs but to me they're like a two-pronged offense digs Allen and otherwise, they might throw it to someone else, maybe. Like, you've got to get that second receiver. I really do think that. Yeah, and Josh Allen is almost always there, either in close contention with their running backs for rushing yardage, or is the, their lead rusher. Or is the lead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that only works for, like, so long, right? Like, Jalen Hurts, you can say the same thing. Like, there's a lot of games last season where he uh, he was the lead rusher for the team and he scored tons of rushing touchdowns, but they also had a healthy running game that they mm-hmm. used through those run pass options and, and through Miles Sanders. Like, Miles Sanders yeah, is not a bad true. running back. No. Um, as he's an NFL running back, <laughs> yeah, he's not elite, but he's good. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for an NFL he, franchise, he was doing exactly what was needed. Like, when we need so many yards, we're going to hand him the ball and he's going to get them for it. It yeah. sucks and, for fantasy yeah. because that's not what you want. But in terms of real life NFL, he, they were doing everything right and they barely lost in the Super Bowl. They, there must be just something that the coaching staff saw or didn't see in Singletary that we don't see where they just felt he couldn't do that because I just thought it was opportunities like that. That's from what I watch every Bills game. Everyone know I'm a Bills fan. Those are the games that I watch every week. Um, and no matter what, they don't lean on him. And I, I never saw it as, oh, it's because every time on on third and short, he's getting stopped. I, I didn't see that evidence from the game. So there must be something else in practice and getting to know the players that they just felt wasn't working for them. Yeah, there is a reason that they didn't lean on him and commit to him. And whether it's offensive philosophy or something with Singletary himself, we'll probably never know. Maybe we'll get a bit more insight into it with Damian Harris being there because Harris proved himself in New England as he's a, a good running back. He's functional. He can do the job well. So if all of a sudden this year we see them lean right into him, then okay, it was probably Singletary. If we see more of the same, then it's that offensive philosophy and something's got to give because we're just going to keep seeing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, we'll we'll never know until you and I finally buy our NFL franchise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, we could uh we could try to hop in on the Washington Commanders. <laughs> yeah. There, there there is a Canadian billionaire looking to uh join the bidding for them. So like maybe we can just attach ourselves to him, you know. We can just jump in there. Yeah, and then move them up to Toronto. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, we're we're Canadians, take us with you, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's about all we can contribute. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> like we can't put any money towards it, but no, I Canadian. will give you five dollars <laughs> and I will be a very silent partner in this. And, <laughs> yes, uh, very silent. <laughs> you just do you, man, but hey, keep us in mind. Um, the New York Jets traded wide receiver Elijah Moore to the Browns for a second round pick. So Moore didn't really do anything of overall substance in New York uh, didn't help with the emergence of Garrett Wilson. So I think that's probably for the best for, for Moore's career is, was to get out of there. Yeah. And, and it could help the Browns give them a bit more of a, 
a receiving core outside of Amari Cooper because that was basically the extent of the receiving core last year. Um, whether or not that will work out with the whole Deshaun Watson thing and if Deshaun Watson can return to his fo- like previous form, that'll be a big part of whether or not Elijah Moore can do anything for fantasy. But if that offense can get running on full full tilt, it's, it could be a very potent offense because they have a great ground game. And Amari Cooper's a very good wide receiver, so they just need Deshaun Watson to, I guess, get back to his Houston yeah. Texans form. But yeah, this will be this will be interesting. If he stumbles out of the gate this year, I, th- I think they're in big trouble with him. But if he if that was just, I mean, it's hard to come back missing the season with all the stuff. You know, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to minimize the stuff that happened, but you know, he, it, even though he's at fault it takes a toll on you as well as a player is what I'm trying to say. So he's probably distracted going into this situation, um, missing all these games. So he could just bounce back. I, I don't know. I'm weary. Like I, I just, there's a part of me that, that looks at him and says, you know, it was such a big decline and he did kind of try to get it back on track there, but I just feel like he's a risk for me in terms of, We'll Absolutely. see to our rankings and stuff, but like I, there's just so many other people where I'm like, yeah, but you even you know at least Kirk Cousins is going to play and get your points, except Whereas, for Monday nights. Except for Monday nights, yes. But you just you look at the schedule and you hope that he, he doesn't yeah. have a lot of prime time games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not just Monday, like any prime time game, anytime. That's true, yeah. If it's if it's one o'clock or four o'clock, no problem. Like go go with go with him. But if it's if it's a special game. At any time, that's like even like prime time or big TV spotlight or playoffs. He's he's not going to do it for you. I don't know what it is with him. Yeah, I don't know either. It's kind of like but... me in any circumstance where you just like there's so much potential, but then you just choke away everything mm-hmm. by by just existing. Yeah. <laughs> it's like me. So when I anytime I go on like a, a first date. That's basically what happens. Like it, it goes really, really well until prime time. Then <laughs> <laughs> everything goes wrong. <laughs> Great, solid afternoon, but prime time under those okay. lights. I'm yeah. Kirk Cousins, man. <laughs> yeah, you just just as soon as as soon as it gets dark out, just Mike's game just implodes. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's nothing. There's nothing. <laughs> All right. Well. Blue of Earth, keep that in mind when you when you call Mike, okay? Oh, Blue of Earth hasn't called me. Yeah. Hey, can't give up hope, buddy. <laughs> That's true. Um, There's always hope. <laughs> There's always hope. Oh, my. Um, Jamison Crowder uh, signed with the Giants on a one-year deal. Um, I, I don't really think that'll have anything of fantasy worth for, for him or for Daniel Jones. Really? I think that's a, yeah. just a depth piece. Cause they were really light on receiver this past year. Um, he, he seems to be well past his prime. So I think that's just, uh, just a body to have a body. Yeah. It's one of those, if an injury happens, you might see something out of him and he might be a waiver wire pickup if there's some injuries and he ends up getting more opportunities. But I, I agree. That's a low impact play for sure. Yeah. Uh, Nelson Aguilar signed a one-year deal with the Ravens. That could be interesting, but yeah, ultimately that's that's going to depend on who's playing quarterback for the Ravens. Exactly. So <laughs> that's exactly right. As it stands right now, that is just uh, in the state of limbo. 
Um, the Panthers signed DJ Chark to a one-year deal, so they're making some more moves to boost up their offense with uh, Adam Thielen and Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. We still don't know who's going to be throwing the ball there. I think right now the most recent depth chart showed Andy Dalton at the top, but we'll see what they do in the draft. Yeah, like they might uh, they might draft a quarterback there uh, at number one, like that. that I would say they will. I would be surprised if they don't. Considering what the everything else that they have going on, I, I would be very surprised if they don't pick a quarterback up. And that's a bit of a better situation for a rookie to go into than like the Texans, because at least these are pretty serviceable players that you're surrounding them with, um, mm-hmm. which is a better, much better learning environment. Like maybe may, he won't, maybe he won't go crazy, but even if he has like a, um, you know, a decent first year, he he might be able to get some points and be kind of like a silent good quarterback option. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is looking at the Eagles, the Jets, and the Bengals. He those seem to be the the top three pick landing spots for him. The uh, Bengals, really? Yeah. Surprised now that seems to be his preference. Um, whether or not the, <laughs> yeah. the, whether or not that's reciprocated is we're waiting to see. Um, I think true, the Eagles. The, I think the Eagles or the honestly probably all three he could do well in in terms of the nfl i don't know about for fantasy because yeah with the eagles and with uh well with all three teams really he's gonna have competition yeah and he's gonna have to prove himself so he's um, going in as the guaranteed number one in any of those situations no so it it, that'll be a a wait and see and then probably have to pay attention pretty closely in preseason what we're seeing on the field there but I think for, in terms of real-life football, all three would be good landing spots for him because I do think that uh, Ezekiel Elliott has something still left to give. Like, he's by no means is he washed up or anything. It's just the situation in Dallas with Tony Pollard wasn't uh, wasn't really what he needed. It wasn't working out for him. And honestly, the best thing for him might be to just become a goal line back because he's a mm-hmm. big guy. He runs hard, and mm-hmm. he just doesn't have the longevity anymore to be the the main workhorse guy anymore yeah and that might just be what he has to accept which he might uh he might not want to <laughs> i don't <laughs> like, i don't sometimes yeah players don't want to accept that right i don't think he does because the cowboys were open to keeping him if he took a pay cut and he declined mm-hmm. so i think he's trying to go out and get that one last big deal and i don't know if nfl teams are going to want to give it to him especially yeah, at, at least know. out of those three teams I don't, I don't know if any of them would um, maybe I don't the Bengals. Those three but... teams. I don't. I like. I don't think so. Yeah, maybe the Bengals might be the closest, but still, I don't think. Like, I just feel like they have other options. Like, I feel like if he wants the big payout and a big contract, he'd have to go to a team where he would be the number one. Like, they'd be thinking we're signing him to be our number one back without a question, not battling with other people who are relatively established. Yeah, that that'll probably be some of the offseason drama um, as. Uh as we get closer to the draft and, and after yeah. the draft still to um, unfold, still to unfold. Yeah. But the big off season drama that doesn't involve uh, nipples is what's going on with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. What a situation. I mean, I, I, I know he wanted, you know, he want he has his priorities first contract and, you know, frankly, he's, he's statistically been a very good quarterback. Um, again, my whole problem with him is he hasn't really won anything. Um, so it's, it's hard to kind of sit here. Was he got one MVP? Yeah. Did he win two? Yeah. So he's got one MVP. He's never won a Super Bowl. Like it, to me, 
they've got to keep those things in mind when negotiating. But it's clear he he wants more respect with his contract. I just like I don't know what's going to happen here. Like this is such a unique situation. We we don't see this happen that often with a quarterback in his prime. No, we don't. And the Deshaun Watson deal, I think, is a big player in it because he wants yeah. guaranteed money like what Deshaun Watson got. And I think Deshaun Watson getting that much guaranteed money was a mistake. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I can see I, his point though. Like I could like Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback. Yeah. Like he's better and he's your franchise guy. And I can see where he's coming from. But I kind of agree with you. I'm like, well, that deal was a mistake. So I don't know if he's gonna get that. Yeah, I am a I am a big believer of like we saw the same thing with Russell Wilson where he signed an extension before he even played a down for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're you're putting guaranteed money on the line for something that is by no means a guarantee. Yeah. I 100 percent get where the players are coming from because it guarantees them that money no matter what happens. So 100 percent I understand and appreciate why the players want to do it. Sure. But I can fully understand why the owners don't want to do it. Because we've seen now with with Russell Wilson and with Deshaun yeah. Watson why it doesn't work out for the owners very well. Like you can um, see it, you can see both sides of the argument, and you can understand where people are coming from. And the, the, at the end of the day, the the many issues that do happen, whether it be on or off the field, longevity in the NFL is a big issue for injuries, for issues that again like happen off the field, even just for like the player aging. Like it's rare to see a quarterback. In, into kind of his late 30s be so successful. We, we've been spoiled. We've seen a lot of that recently, but that's not always been the way it is. So I think people are looking at Jackson saying like, okay, how many how many years are ahead of you? And what if something happens? Like we want to make sure we're protected as a franchise. So I can I can see it on both sides. What an interesting situation because I, I, if, if a deal hasn't happened now, is a team really going to jump on him now, like all the quarterback positions are getting filled left, right, and center, and he's he's left here not. not yeah, moving. he's he's running out of landing spots, unfortunately for him. Um, so th- there's been more drama, I guess, coming out over the past few days. So he had tweeted out that back on March second, he requested a trade from the Ravens, hmm. and then on the March seventh, the Ravens put the non-exclusive tag on him. Yeah, and. So, so for anyone who is not uh, familiar with what that is, is the non-exclusive tag means that Lamar Jackson can negotiate with other teams and sort out a contract or a deal, whatever he, whatever they can come to an agreement on. Yeah. But then, but then the Ravens have a chance to match that offer. To match it. Yeah. So th- this is 100% um, beneficial to the Ravens because they know exactly what they're bidding against. It's mm-hmm. there's no, no no blindness to it or anything. They know exactly what the offer is. They could just match it if they exactly if they so choose. And yeah. and it's good it's good to note that Lamar Jackson is currently representing himself. Yes. Well, he <laughs> I, I think he has for quite a while. Uh, for a that's while what, for, he that's, fired his agent last year. Yeah, and that's what's led us to, to this point. Um, but that non-exclusive tag, it it's it was kind of smart for the Ravens because they don't have to overbid on Lamar Jackson. They just have to match or slightly beat whatever another team comes to them with what they value Lamar at. So it's mm-hmm. other teams setting the value, not them. So if he can't get any good offers, they can pretty much say like, Hey, that's not on us. That's on the other teams. Here's what we're willing to give you. Um, or another team can just outright take him 
in exchange for two first round picks, which also yeah. benefits the Ravens greatly because those are very valuable picks. Yes, definitely. Um, so there's there's a lot of drama that's going to go on there for, well, it's going to keep going until he signs somewhere. Um, so we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that and keep you as informed as we can. We had one. That- to- oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just quickly going to say, I think the coach had sent out a tweet or, or something on socials being like, I'm confident he'll be here in the fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, which... to, just to throw another like wrench in it. You've got the coach being like, no, he'll be back. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's very possible just because of the, the beneficial position that the Ravens have put themselves in. It's going to be hard for another yeah. team to get him. But if you, if your quarterback doesn't want to be there, that's such a tough situation. 100%. It, it really yeah. Is, but anyway, it, it absolutely is. Um, we had wanted to talk about the quarterback, uh, our quarterback, uh, review today obviously getting caught up on all of that news didn't let that happen but we are now officially fully caught up so next week we will be doing our quarterback uh, review for this past season followed by a rookie review of this past mm-hmm. season so if you have any fan questions regarding uh, the quarterbacks this past year or just any fan questions in general reach out to us through social media on facebook uh, instagram twitter at conquer your draft you can email us at contact at Conquer Your Draft, or you can go to www.conqueryourdraft.com. And on the podcast page, there is a uh, a questionnaire that you can submit to us. We love hearing from you guys, whether it's questions, comments, concerns, especially if it's concerns about Mike. I love to hear it. Definitely. Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us, guys, and uh, stay safe.